Welcome to Full Scope, a podcast with two guys in their 20s, giving their perspective on the games that we love, the headlines in pop culture, and the meaning behind it all. I'm your host, Winsor Burns, along with my counterpart, Savon Morris. How's it going, man? What's good, man? I mean, it, it feels like it's been longer than, than we actually than, than it's actually been, but it's, it's good to be back, bro, as always. And um, for tonight, we're joined by a uh, first-time special guest, um, David Ojigiri, a good friend of mine, college classmate, and uh, thank you so much for being on, bro. No problem. Thank you for having me. It's really good. Yeah, man. I, I, I've been like the, the the listeners don't know how much I've delayed this. You've asked me time and time again, but but finally we, we've been able to put it together. But I know. Uh, yeah, we got a lot of topics to get into tonight. A couple, a few NBA topics, uh, some album reviews. In the second half, we're gonna do a review of Squid Game. But um, to start off with just thoughts on just you know if Utah or Golden State has had the more impressive start to the season. Um, you know for the Jazz, they've had their best start since 2008. Currently first in the West at six and one. Um, Rudy Gobert also became the first player in NBA history to record at least 16 points and 14 rebounds in each of the first five games of the season. Um, you know, with Golden State, they're off to a six and one start and just had a, a 22 point win uh, against Charlotte last night. And they just, they've just had great contributions as well from supporting players like Jordan Poole, Otto Porter Jr., and Bielitsa. But um, David, to start it off, like in terms of both of these top teams in the West, like who would you say has kind of had the more impressive start? I think like both teams have done like really well in like starting off this year, like this yeah. half, uh, off season. But like I think Golden State for sure is like has the upper hand here because like mm-hmm. um, they were really underestimated from like uh, the last playoffs last season. Yeah, so like, playing tournament. Mm-hmm. Like even right now without Clay, and they're still like able to stand strong with Clay. I think like they would do better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and to you, Savon, like. In terms of looking at both of these teams, which one would you say has kind of had, like, the more impressive start early in the season? I think I will have to agree with David, man. Just look at Golden State, what they accomplished so far. I know it's only 6-1, you know, seven games or 6-1, and one, but last year they started off rocky. Then yep. you just look at how in, in vast improvement they're going to have when Clay comes back. They can trade for some guys. They have money. They have things they can move around to get some other guys. I think they should mm-hmm. trade for some different guys. Um what, well, I think one guy is a guy from uh, the Rockets, and I know you know what I'm talking about. Not the rookie, not Jalen Green. <laughs> can't trade for him yet. He's too big money. He's too big of a money. But yeah. I think um, what's his? Oh, I forgot his name. Um, oh, jeez. Why did I say where you at, man? Miles <laughs> <laughs> Turner. I'm joking, man. I think they should. I think they should trade for Miles Turner. He's with the Indiana Indiana Pacers. Pacers, yeah. And then you have. Uh, I think they should. Even trade for Jeremiah Grant, who's with the Detroit. He's leading them right now. I think he's mm-hmm. averaging 17 mm-hmm. points. Um, so I, I think they got they can improve. Now, can Utah improve? Possibly, that's, that's but the I, possibly. That, that's the question I had. We, we've seen Utah have successful regular seasons, and then in the playoffs, they come up short. Like, like David, to you, like, do you think it's one of those things where they have to prove it in the postseason for like for us to even take them like as a serious contender? Yeah, I think so. Because like they have to like really, really prove themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and that's another thing, Savon. Like, do you, like in terms of a, a specific player for Utah, whether it be like Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert, even Mike Conley. Like, do you think it's one of those things where Donovan Mitchell has to continue to take like the ascension, almost like similar to how D Wade did in Miami, to like actually get to that point of like legitimacy? Yeah, for sure. It has to be Donovan Mitchell. It has to be the spider. It has to be him. Because he's the face of this of this team. You look, Conley's an old guy. Rudy Gobert is the defense player of the year, a defensive guy. So you need someone who to lead the team. It has to be Donovan Mitchell. 
He has to continue to prove. He has to continue to be stay healthy. He has yeah. to lead this team. No one else. Mm-hmm. This is your basketball team. And it's, a, it's hard for people to be a leader and a great basketball player. So it's just a, a, a testament to all the guys who can do both. And we see who can't do it, Kyrie Irving. Mm, the elephant in the room. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but, but but transitioning to, to just thoughts on the Bulls and Knicks as East contenders, you know, Chicago is currently third in the East. And, you know, they've already beaten uh, teams like Utah, and they have an 8.7 point differential. And they're, you know, sixth in defense. And on the other side, the Knicks are seventh in the East and have, you know, increase their shooting with Kemba Walker at 58% and Derrick Rose at 54%. Um, but to you, David, like, just what are your thoughts on both teams' defensive and offensive success? And do you think these can be real contenders in the East? Yeah, these are, like, really great teams. Like, those teams are, like, I think, like, evenly matched, kind of, like, in, t- in terms of, like, uh, communication and unity. I think, like, yeah, yeah they're, like, really matched up uh, perfectly. Like, look at the Bulls. We have Jimmy Butler, who's, like, who wants that ring. <laughs> and like we have like people who like on uh on the Knicks like who have like the communications like the uh G Rose and like Kemba Walker like they're like yeah wait yeah they're like really really great in like communication on the team and then for like the Bulls they have uh you know Lonzo Ball they have Caruso like mm-hmm. you know people who like being in the game yeah so like they understand this stuff and it's it's gonna be fun to watch. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Uh, to you, Savon, like in terms of like like these both both of these teams, like obviously with the Knicks, they're able to get to the postseason. Um, you know, they they lose in six to, to Atlanta, but still getting to the postseason for them since twenty thirteen that was a major accomplishment. With Chicago, them trying to get back to that point, like what has stood out to you with both teams is they're they're really having strong starts. Well, I'll start with the Chicago Bulls, and we talked about this a couple podcasts ago. <clears throat> excuse me, that we now have some other options outside of Zach Levine. Who's, who's the still, yeah. I think, the, the star of the show with the Chicago Bulls. You had Lonzo Ball. You had DeMar DeRozan. You had Caruso. You had some other guys coming off the bench. And now you have a sheer, uh, a sheer chance to be able to go to the postseason. They haven't done in a while since, yeah, I feel like, the, since Derrick Rose. But I think they're 6-2 they're right now. I think they have so uh, big upside on, on to them. I think Zach Levine will continue to, haunt, you know, gear his game around being the guy on the front court and the yeah. back court because on the defensive side, I think he's still lacking in certain areas. But he's a, a bucket. He's a scorer. He's a slasher. He can finish at the rim. He can do different things. I think he will continue to get into that role because everybody now is giving it to him. Lonzo doesn't want to be the guy. DeMar DeRozan is years away from being the guy. Alex Caruso <laughs> is just happy to be in Chicago. He's happy to be there. He's, <laughs> he's happy, happy to be in the Windy City. <laughs> um, so I think they'll still prone Zach Levine to being the guy. Now you look at the New York Knicks. You look at the lineup. You look at Roger Barrett, you know, uh, Kimball Walker, mm-hmm. uh, Julius Randle. They look good on paper. But Kimba had a Evan Evan Fournier. Yeah, Evan Fournier too. But Kimba had two games back to back, and there was losses where he was super cold. My mm-hmm. my my thing is is Kimba the guy is Kimba eons away from his his you know his his glory days. If honest. you're having to rely on those shooting streaks, if you're having, if you're having to rely on those shooting streaks, like go in and out, that can be the most concerning thing for New York. For sure, and I think they have the talent. Obviously, you look at the you know. You look at their roster, but you I don't see a number one guy yet. I don't think it's mm. Kimba. Kimba wasn't a number one guy with the Celtics, in my opinion. Well, he's with the Hornets, for sure. He was the best team, oh, best player on the team. Yeah, that was but his team. <laughs> once he gets around other talent, I think he's, he's later in his career. I don't think, yeah. 
I'm, that's what I'm looking at. I don't think he will, he can carry a team in the postseason. Definitely, like, like David, to you, would you kind of feel the, Do you kind of feel the same way with Kemba that it's it's one of those things where it's got to be a different player on New York for them to like actually go further? Yeah, I feel the same. I agree with him. Yeah, because like uh, when he was over at the Celtics, he like did way more than he's doing right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and after listening to the the Hornets just having early success and how good they can be, um, you know, they're currently five and four and one game out of the eighth spot in the East and. They, they just have a very strong ability to generate live ball turnovers and tra- transition play is major for them. And LaMelo Ball's passing and finishing craft has just been increasingly impressive. But David, to you, in terms of what's been most impressive about this young team, uh, would you say it's been, you know, more of LaMelo's growth or just the young talent they have overall? Just like the overall growth. Like, yeah, it was like, LaMelo, he has a huge contribution to it. But like overall, I think like, yeah, this team is coming. Yeah, they've come like a long way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, to you, Savon, in, in terms of just what this what, what this young team has and where they can go, you know, trying to get into the postseason, um, what would you kind of say has stood out to you the most so far? I don't think it's any other players. And I know you're thinking like, what? I don't <laughs> think it's any other players. I think it's the general manager who they got in 2018 who came for the Lakers 17 years, won championships, brought that mentality over, and he drafted well super well. Now we see Bridges having to stand out of career. You get LaMelo, you get some other guys um, on the team. And I think his name, the, the general manager's name is Mitch Kupchak. I think I'm pronouncing it correctly. But yeah, you, look at the, you look at the, the general manager, you look at the front office, they're finally getting guys in there who are cohesive, but they're good too. You don't have any bust. You spend all that money on Kimmel Walker, he doesn't give you a championship, and you don't put pieces around him. But that was you know, before uh, Mitch came over. But I think him, his drafting ability to get these young guys together, and then you add LaMelo playing great basketball, Mikel Bridges is playing good basketball. I mean, they have a, a upside. Mikel Bridges is on the rise. He's on yes, the rise. Yes, he is. Yeah. And I love their, their connection. I love LaMelo Balls and, and Mikel Bridges' connection. They just have that zen. It's hard to have that straight off with a, with a player, especially a rookie player from last year. They had that zen last year before he got hurt, so. They have, a, they have some upside now, but I, I think it's, it's all for the general manager of drafting guys and getting these guys into the organization to get them acclimated. Definitely. Um, and now just to, to Milwaukee's just kind of early struggles and, and, how the, and, how can, and how they just can turn it around. In terms of their slow start at 4-4, four and four, the Bucks are missing kind of, you know, significant firepower on offense with um, Drew Holiday having an ankle injury and Brooke, Brooke Lopez having a back injury. Giannis has just had to carry, you know, more of a heavy workload and cover up more of the mistakes than usual. Um, but David, you and this is your team, David. Like, like this, this is a resident spokesperson for the Bucks. He's, he's already said that we're going to repeat. Everything's going to be fine. So, <laughs> in terms of the early struggles, like, do you think it's one of those things where it's it's more so of injuries? But when this team can get healthy, they can you know turn it around and figure it out. Yeah, I think they can turn it around. I think like I'm not really that worried about them. I think they can come back up. Like after winning, I feel like they all like just you know took a break, a little break, and then came back, put the same strategy. Like oh, with the same strategy, we're gonna win. Meanwhile, every other team like oh, let's switch up our strategy. Let's come in stronger, and they right. can do things like they feel in the blow right now. So like yeah, but I think they're gonna pick it up. They're gonna come back up. It's it's the books. <laughs> it's the books. <laughs> to, to, to you, Savon, uh, do you do, do you think it's one of those? Do you have the same confidence? Do you have the same confidence that David has that this, this team's going to figure out and turn it around? I don't think I don't. I don't have the same confidence. I call this team the New Wendy's because they're four for four. <laughs> <laughs> That's cold. That's cold. <laughs> but no, seriously, 
Seriously, it's two things I want to point out for this Bucks team. You have three pivotal players. Brooke Lopez is out until at least November 7th. Chris Middleton is out with COVID-19 until November 14th. Drew Holiday doesn't have a expected time to come back. Those are three players that help you win the NBA championship. Mm-hmm. And those are pivotal games in the early off. Yeah. I want in the second thing, can Giannis actually be a leader for this team? Can he lead this team without those players? That's the next step of his, his glory. Can he do it? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we shall see in the next couple be- weeks. Because, because that's the thing. Like, every every great player, like LeBron has had to do it, KD has had to do it, Steph has had to do it. They, they've had to, like, lead teams on their own at some point. Yep. And that's and that's the, the next big step. Like, like, David, like, in terms of what Giannis has and, 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 and just his skill set, do you feel as though he has it in him, like, for a back-to-back championship run to actually do this? I think he has it in him to lead the team, but like the players also have like a part their part to play. Like he can play his part and like probably even overplay himself. Like you know, do it to a point. But like it, it gets to a point. It's like okay, I need support from you guys. Yeah, I think at that point is where there might be you know <laughs> setback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and, and 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 looking at this because obviously we see we've seen teams like the Lakers and, and the Nets kind of struggle as well. Like. Savon, to you, in terms of the hierarchy of of the West and the East, like, do you feel as though it's one of, in terms of Brooklyn and LA and even Milwaukee, which team from the top do you feel as though ha- has the best shot of just uh, of just just running running the tables and getting back to that championship contention? You said out of the Bucks and who else? Uh, Nets and Lakers. Ooh, I'll say the Lakers. I think the mm. Lakers oh, are in a better position. <laughs> no, hear me out. It takes a while. Even when you know and you've been in the league for them, they have a, the, the most <laughs> experienced basketball team in the NBA. <laughs> on Mankind. Yes, on a, <laughs> <laughs> big I, and, and that was real for me with the 4 for 4 Jeez, Willington. But, <laughs> Yo, this, hey, look at this team's age. Look at this team's age. <laughs> but... I think they still obviously they still have some juice left. I think they can. I think they can go to the net. I think they can win it all. I think they can. It's going to take some time. Yeah. Hmm. Wait. 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 What was that? Like, are we forgetting who's on this basketball? I'm not not forgetting anything. I'm just saying the Russell Westbrook factor. The Russell Westbrook factor. You you, you can't ignore that. (laughs) That in the postseason. In the oh, postseason, wow. that that like like that is that is going to be a concern because if he's going to settle for for perimeter shots, they are going to struggle with that. But LeBron and AD, I'm not concerned about. It's more so how is Westbrook going to fit in key in key playoff games. So you're saying you think Russell Westbrook again? If every team he's been on, he's the weakest link. Ah, you think he's the weakest link? I think on the- so. Oh wow. Of the top three, of the big three. Now of the overall team, no. But if the big three, like. LeBron, AD are more valuable. And that's interesting. I've never he- heard anybody consider him being the big three. I was, I thought Camelo was in that spot for the. Oh, you got Hoodie Mello in the big three? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, that's why six I'm man, asking. six man of the year. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm asking. I think he has a more pivotal role than Russell mm. Westbrook. I think Russ is still trying to figure himself out outside of being the guy. I think he was doing that right. with the Rockets. I think he did that um, with. The I'm not the word. Uh, sheesh! What, who who's the team in DC? <laughs> yeah, the Wizards. It's the Wizards. 
Bro, it's been a long day. The Wizards. <laughs> yes. The Wizards. But, you know, I have at least two or three of those uh, episodes. Right, Will? Yeah. It, it's, it's an average. It's an average. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It keeps two, two it going. It keeps it alive, man. It keeps it interesting. keeps it alive. It boring, yes. you know? Clear eyes. You don't want that you know, type of pocket. Clear eyes. Four R. Can't lose. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, but but to you, David, like like which, in terms of those, uh, like looking at Brooklyn and the Lakers between those two, like like which one do you think has more of a shot to to kind of turn it around? Okay, between those two, I would kind of go for Lakers. Oh, okay, yeah. And your face, See, don't do this, See, David. Every time we have a guest on, he tries to get the guest on his side and be like, "Nope, you're not on Wilson's side." <laughs> Coming to my side. Because they never be on my side. I feel like I'm just a loner over here, man. Because <laughs> I still don't feel like the Nets have that, you know, cooperation and that communication. Like, yeah, mm. I don't think they have that solid unity that the Lakers are try- trying to form. So, like, yeah, the Lakers probably have the upper hand. But what if Kyrie comes back? He's not. Well. <laughs> He's, not. He's not coming back, <clears throat> I don't think I don't think he is though. He's not. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I even think like you, you look at a team like Philly with Ben Simmons. I think like that he he's he's likely to come back soon. Even if Kyrie does come sooner, I feel yeah. as though Ben Simmons would would come back sooner actually because he still does have that. There still is some camaraderie that Philly had before, even though with with Brooklyn, it's more so what's mm-hmm. going on off the court. Um, but 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 now transitioning to our first to our album reviews and to start off with with uh, Chris Brown's Indigo on his ninth album for 2019. You know he kind of he goes Ooh. in depth to, uh, yep, David's favorite artist, David's favorite. <laughs> <laughs> he, he goes in depth to just highlight ways he's matured in songs like you know Back to Love and All on Me. He's talking about you know what he's learned about life and love and you know in this double album album he's got features um like her Gunna Tank and Drake. But um to you David, kind of like just what were your thoughts on this album and and what you liked about it the most. First off, when I looked at the album, I was like, wow, this is long. This is yeah. a uh, journey. Album. Yeah. <laughs> so like, and Chris Brown, if you like, if you like follow him uh, very well in his albums, he likes to put like a storyline or something like that. Like, so I was like, okay, what is this? Like, what, what, like, mm-hmm. what am I getting from this? And he's just like, just singing. He's just like going through like, you know, stuff, the feels and all that stuff. So songs like, Okay, I'm the kind of person that I, like, you know, examine the songs, like, from the tone to the beat, you know, to the lyrics and everything. Some songs didn't really, like, hit as hard. <laughs> yeah. But most of the songs from There the were definitely beat, some misses on here. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> like, uh, the extended album, yeah, the songs he yeah. added on were, like, really, really good. He actually added, like, a foreign artist, David O. He put it on, he put it on the album, and I was like, wow, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Album like lyrically, I'll probably give it like out of five. I'll probably give it, like a three. Yeah, mm-hmm. but like uh, beat wise and like you know the flow wise, yeah, those were like all five out of five. You mm-hmm. sure you're a Chris Brown uh, fan? Rip them a new one. Um, to, to say you say, Von, looking back at this album and and what was in it, you know, obviously a very long form type of project. Um, what kind of stood out to you the most and, and and just what were your thoughts on it? You know, I didn't know he was going to name his album off a credit card. I don't know if y'all know about the Indigo credit card. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, Savon's on one. <laughs> no, but no, for real. <laughs> I, I'm just picking back on what David said. 
this was extremely long. I'm, but he's been doing this since forever. His mixtapes were extremely long as well. So it was, I think it's just what he does. He just want to pull out as much music. But don't get it wrong. Chris Brown is goaded. He's goaded. Yes. The man is a goat. Oh, yeah. yeah the man is sure. a goat. But the only two songs I like. <laughs> what? <laughs> the only two? <laughs> No, three. It's three songs. Oh, Obviously, it's Heat, No Guidance, and um, uh, the one with uh, Justin Bieber, Don't Check Up On Me. That, that was a dope one. Um, but those are the only three yeah. that I listened to from this album. <laughs> three out of 32. <laughs> Sad world out here, man. Um, and, and, and in terms, because David, like, like, in terms of just what you want to see next from Chris Brown because because um there's also anticipation about what his like next album is going to be and and how yeah. how's it going to sound like what 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 are you kind of like looking forward to and and what he can incorporate in, in his like next body of work and just who you would want to see on it. I'm looking for like uh, his features. This is what I'm looking for the the most. Like yeah, his his ones is like Chris Brown is like someone that can like pull off an eight uh, a grade song alone. Like I'm looking for who he's going to add to it and how well he works with like the person that he features with. Like, of course, like, on his songs that he features with people, he, like, really brings the song lively. I mean, it's, like, you know, upbeat and stuff. But, like, I'm trying to see, like, people like Drake. I'm trying to see how many international artists he's going to put on it. I'm trying to see, like, uh, the kind of journey he's going to bring out for his next album. Like, yeah, stuff like that. And, like, from his other album, <laughs> there are, like, so many hits that, like, I'm, like, I feel like, you know, if he brings out the next album, I want it to sound something like this, like, lurking. The way he lyrics. Things. Yeah, um, yeah, I want to see something like that. I want to see something like Sorry Enough, but like feature with like Drake, something like that. I feel like that would have, you know, helped the song more. You know, it's like, yeah, uh, I want to see like a lot of rappers on it. Because like Chris Brown is like, uh, he raps, but like he's not a rapper. You feel what I mean? <laughs> and I want to see like, let me see, like an artist like Wizkid on his album, someone like that. Like he's been known to work with David Doe for like a lot of his songs, but like, yeah, I want to see other international artists. Definitely. Um, to tell you, Savon, because I know that this was not the album for you, <laughs> but what what other Chris Brown album would you say like that? Like that's the one. Like that's that's my top Chris Brown. Chris Brown. Album. Uh, his first one, his very first one, his yeah. very first album, all the way through. Wow. Um, there's a bunch of other, but that's the one that I like. I listen to periodically. Cause I mean, you got some bangers on there. I'm gonna be where you are. Yeah. I love you. <laughs> what? What? That's okay. But royalty was good. Um, X X yeah. was a good album. Shoe Fortune was a good album. No, the, I'm Absolutely. tripping. Fame was a spectacular. Oh album. yeah, that's the one. That's the right one. Right after his. The <laughs> I'm sorry, I gotta say, it. right after he boxed Rihanna's jaw loose. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm okay. Go to break. Go to break. Go to break. Go to break. Yeah, we're we're gonna get canceled. <laughs> I love Rihanna though, but Rihanna she she got some punches in too. Don't mm, come on now. Come on. <laughs> she island girl. Um, but 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 to you, David, like, what would you kind of say is is your top favorite Chris Brown album? Like looking back at all of his projects. <laughs> okay. Um can I can I do like a top three? Yeah. Okay, great. We, we um, do a lot of top threes on this podcast. We do a lot of top three. <laughs> <laughs> okay, can I say like uh Heartbreak on the Full Moon, definitely my number one. 
Mm. And then we have Indigo, the extended version, to be my number two. And then for number three, it was probably between X and Royalty. Mm. Those that, yeah. mm-hmm. That's a, that's, that's a really list. good list. That's a really good list. Yeah, I, I'll probably go Fame, uh, Heartbreak on a Full Moon, and X. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, like, like those three. Yeah. So, say, my like, what are the other two albums you would, you would kind of put in that list? Um, yeah, I said, the, obviously, the first one, um, it just says, yeah. you know, Chris Brown. It doesn't, it doesn't have another name. It just says yeah. Chris Brown. But no, I love Fame. Fame right after there. And then I got to put X. I even like Fan of the Fan. With him and Tyga, they had some good some good songs on there too. But I just put X Fame and then the first one mm-hmm. was mine. Definitely, um, but but not interesting to to Snow Leopard is uh, those feels again um, in in her in, in her second album. You know, she delivers just thoughtful lyricism, which you know encap- encapsulates fear, loss, heartbreak, and self growth with just tenacity and an empathetic tone. And you know, there are just so many moments of uh, strength, and there are certain songs within here that are. Um, anthems of, of self-worth, but to you, David, kind of like, what were your thoughts on this album and just the effective lyricism that is just, you know, always associated with her music? My first time, like, listening to this album, I was like, not, not like to you, I was like, wow, she is going through something. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. this, this is really deep. Like, I yeah. listened to the song, like, it put me in my feels. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. Like, you know, let's, let's, okay, let's go back, let's judge the songs and like, you know, let's judge the entire album. Like, it, it's, like, the content's, like, really, really, really deep. Like, the lyrics, like, yeah, you can see, like, okay, she's, like, really going into, like, her own feelings mm-hmm. and telling you, you know, what she's feeling, like, you know, how most people feel, especially about situations. My favorite songs, like, really, like Love Like That, Toronto, Whoa, yeah, those songs. Whoa is fire. Whoa is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, to, to you, Savon, kind of like, uh, what were your thoughts on this album? Because, you know, we, we recently, um, you know, reviewed her, her latest album, Temporary Highs in the Violet Skies, this past summer. But what did you think about this album as this was one where, you know, we, we really see just the top of her lyricism and even like like David was saying, just the contemplative state that she was in? You know what? Just before I even, even get into that, it's, it's a reason why Prince gave her a stamp, Prince gave his stamp of approval of her. Um, yep. Man, she was an amazing mm-hmm. artist. This album was a great body of work. Like like David said, it gets you in your feelings. Like a situation ship, it's just a situation. Bro, I've been in some situation ships before. Telling you. Man, telling crazy. You. I mean, I love her concepts. I want you around. It's just like, it is a vibe, too. It's not like overbearing. You know, some music is just in your face. Like, like me, like me, like me. But <laughs> it's just so subtle in the way how she sings. She's not forceful. I know she has range, but she just gives it to you just like, do you want some water? Do you do you on the platter? Like she's serving you like this this music. It's crazy. A lot of artists can't do that. Mm-hmm. And I and she she reminds me of the mm-hmm. older school artists. You know, like the eighties, seventies type. She music. studies. She studies the old school. She has to. She has to. Has to. Has to. Uh-huh. has to. I think she was a, a backup singer for uh, Prince for for a little bit. Like in his later, obviously later years before he died. Later years. But <laughs> yeah, she had to be around that type of music to. Her voice is so different. It's so different. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, and David, you were mentioning some of your favorite songs. Like, you know, to me, Situationship, Woe, Toronto are like kind of like my top mm-hmm. three. Like, are, are there like any ones that you kind of put at the top of just your favorite ones from this album? Probably Woe. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Like, that song, like, while I'm going through this, uh, the album, was a song like I clicked twice. Like, nah, yeah. I'm yeah. Especially, like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
definitely. To, to you, Savon, like, like kind of like which songs on this album were ones that you just kind of had to like put on repeat? I want you around. Situationship, whoa. Uh, find someone like man, I can't pick. It's a bunch of great songs. I like you too. So many good ones. That's yeah. the metric of a great album. That's the metric when there's just so many to, to like pick from. Like that's the metric of a great album. Even Charlottesville ninety two hundred part two was like yes. I'm like bro, how how was your old album? Like I could play I was it possible. straight through. <laughs> I feel like an album is successful when you if you have like a 15, 16 song album and like eight of them hit <laughs> or like seven of them hit. I think that's definitely a successful album because a lot yeah. of those songs are just placing the songs. Just a string alone album, but if you have, I think this album was like, like five out of five. We're trying to get stars, five out of five. Absolutely, absolutely, five out of five. Yeah, putting out the intro and then the way she ended it, like if it wasn't just those two, mm. it was really good. Like the way she started the album, the way she ended the album, perfect. Definitely. Um, and now transitioning to Khalid's uh, present review and just what to expect from his uh, next project. You know, in his latest single, he does maintain some of, you know, the trap style elements of uh, of the hit Young, Dumb, and Broken. There's emphasis on a strong beat and continuity with him just having such a distinct style and how his songs can um, blend into each other. But to you, David, overall, like, just kind of what were your thoughts on this track and just what you want to hear from his next project? Khalid has been, like, a really deep artist, like, mm-hmm. from the start. Like, he's someone, like, he focuses on his music and tries to bring out the best from himself and try to put it in his music. You can hear that through his like his present. You can hear that in the lyrics. Like you can, you can like kind of like looking at like okay, what is this artist feeling when he wrote this? What was this like artist? What was he thinking about when he wrote this? You can kind of hear it in the song and like you know, if you listen to it over and over again, the <laughs> way I did, yeah, yeah, you can like feel like oh yeah, he's like you know trying to like develop himself stuff like that. You know, Absolutely. I think it was a really good song. like tone wise, great, lyric wise, awesome, yeah. It, it definitely like hit, hit it hit all of the spots. To you, Savon, looking looking at this track and just kind of some of the things that that you liked about it the most. Um, what were kind of your initial thoughts? I on? thought it had a nice bop. I think it was a nice up tempo mm-hmm. beat. I thought uh, he was singing out his nose a little bit on some of the tracks, <laughs> just to be just lit. <laughs> but he wasn't breathing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, overall, I thought it was a great track. Khalid, I mean, he has a different style of music. I think this was a different style for him in itself. I mean, it's it's more it's in that that realm of his that you know up tempo bop bop pop thing. But I think he was more of a I don't know. He, I can't really explain it. I think it was a dope track though. I don't know if I'll listen to it again. Um, mm. it would probably have to be in a moment. It have to be like if I'm scrolling through my recently added music. And I'm like, oh, okay, forgot to add a G. And then I'm a, yeah, I'm a player, but other than that, I'm not gonna go search for it. <laughs> Yeah, and, and when you look back at some of his projects, like uh, the the Sun City EP he had, which which I thought was like a really like concise and and just smart project. Like in terms of mm-hmm. the next thing you guys want to see from him, is it is it something similar to like maybe like the last album, the Free Spirit album he put out, or just maybe one of his early bo- earlier body of works? I want to see something like uh, you know the song Love Lies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Love Lies. Yeah, I want to see an album like that. I want an album like that. Like that song never gets old to me. Ever. That's what I want to see. To, to you, Savon, kind of, kind of like, what are some things you want to see from him, or maybe something different you want to see in his next? I want to see him rap. I want to see him bust around. I want to, I want him to Uh-oh. see, like you know, like David was saying, Chris Brown. He's not a rapper per se, but he he has some bars. Even when he was going at 
at a Drake mm-hmm. that one time he was doing that freestyle. He said something about uh eyebrows, yeah, yikes. And I was like, okay, uh, <laughs> but I want to see him rap a little bit. You know, even Kalani raps a little bit. She she raps on yes. a little bit and she, mm-hmm. like, yeah. freestyle. and she did it with a song with Aaron Ray. Um I forgot what it's called though. She was rapping a little bit. So just add that implementation into a song or two and see if you can do it. I mean, but I think he's he's in a nice little little groove with his own style of sound. So you can't really ask mm-hmm. for more unless you, you know, bust out with a rap. It was all a dream, so you know, something yeah. like that. Uh oh. You gonna come out with that? He's gonna come out with that energy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but transitioning to, to our to our uh, last review uh, to, to our last song review, "Lucky Days Over," and you know, in his last single from late September, you know, Day is just overwhelmed by what's the meaning of him as a celebrity and just keeping balance in his career throughout. Um, to, to you, David, like, what were your overall thoughts on this track and just what he was trying to get across in, in this one? Um, I was I, like, okay, "Lucky Day." Like the first thing I noticed about this track was like the tone. Right, the tone. Just to like to sing, to sing is like really really good. He has great tone mm-hmm. and like um in the lyrics, uh, I think he was like talking to someone's like you know what you want from me. I can give it to you something like that. You know like you know everything's not over. Like it's not over. You know don't get over it. Like you know something like that. And I was like okay, I kind of get where he's coming from. But, like mm-hmm. I feel like he's done better before than this. I think it wasn't like you know, best I think it was. Yeah, it wasn't his best work. Yeah, I think it was like you know people were like, oh wow, and you see, watching it's like, mm. yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, to, to you, Savon, kind of like what were your initial thoughts of this too track? Commercial, too commercial. You look, you listen to his. That's one thing you don't, don't like. Bro. You don't like commercial if, singles. If you start <laughs> off as a, a artist that you you doing your own thing and you look at his music, like even roll some more, bro. That's not a commercial song. Right. It's yeah. definitely not a commercial song. It's a more of his mm-hmm. feel because you can tell that's that New Orleans background or that Louisiana background, and that you know what I'm saying. Now that sounds like <sighs> Eric Bellinger or some other artist who started commercial <laughs> and who has continued to be yeah. commercial. You can tell the difference, and I'm I never can rock with that. Mm-hmm. Why don't keep be you? Like I like Lucky Day because he was good. the same thing we say about Summer Walker. Oh my and her God. album does her album yeah. does come out tonight. So so fingers crossed that she returns to her core sound. But we want we want we want to hear artists kind of return to their to their core sound and, and just avoid. Like, sometimes you do have to to go commercial, but not always just stay in that. Exactly. Lane. If she doesn't go commercial, I mean, I mean, she yeah. she gets, this album's commercial. I'm gonna treat it like a commercial. I'm gonna skip. <laughs> I'm gonna skip to another Uh-oh. channel. What is <laughs> you breaking my heart like that, someone? <laughs> like, I'm still over. I'm still over you. <laughs> <laughs> For real. And you better call me tonight, <laughs> um, but 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 but, but uh, David, but before we get get to the Squid Game review, in terms of looking back at at this, some of the albums this year, because me and Savon have reviewed a, a lot of new albums. Like, what what albums are you kind of like still going back and listening to, and, and kind of just been some of your favorites of this year? Okay, this year I've been listening, going back to Royalty from Chris Brown, of course. <laughs> like, and I've been like listening to uh, Life Over Dawn by Don Tolliver. That's dope. That album was dope. Like, I'm like, this album, I've just like been going back to it, listening to it over and over. I'm like, man, this is really good. Mm-hmm. And then I've kind of like been listening to Kalani a lot. Yeah. I've been listening to Summer Walker a lot. I want to see what they have in, you know, in Star for Us for the future. 
especially like this coming end of the year is when like a lot of artists like this like you know about to just drop some songs yeah <laughs> and it's like spread over to next year yeah i want to see what they have definitely we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back with our squid game review Welcome back to the show, and now we're getting into our Squid Game review. And to start with the overview, Squid Game is a South Korean survival drama television television series on Netflix, um, corrected by uh, Huang uh, Doinhuk, who wrote and directed all nine episodes. It had a budget of $21.4 million. It has a 93% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, the series is about a contest where 456 players in deep financial debt put their lives at risk to play a series of children's games for the chance to win a $45.6 billion prize. And the series has just become a major phenomenon. Um, being Netflix's most watched series to date, and it just really contains an unflinching uh, brutality. But to you, David, just what were your first thoughts of the show <laughs> when, when you, when you initial thoughts and just like how you felt about it? <laughs> watching it at first, when I started it, like I didn't want to watch it because like everyone was watching it, so like I just didn't want to watch it. But then everyone kept pressuring me, like, bro, are you watch it, it's so crazy. So I decided to watch it. And at first, I was like, bro, this is stupid. <laughs> and then it got to the point where we started like killing people at the game, and I was like, yo, okay, I actually want to see how this ends. <laughs> yeah. uh, to me, I feel like it was it was interesting because like if you look at it deeply, it's kind of like what uh, everyone is kind of going through right now. Like some people would go to that lane just to earn some money, you know, just take care of their house. And, you know, they kind of don't care what, you know, what's going to happen. But yeah, I felt like it was, it was really good. It was really intriguing. Yeah, d- definitely. Um, well, well <laughs> it's, it's a disclaimer. Like he, he, he we're just going to say he hasn't, he hasn't seen the show, but he wants to give, <laughs> of it, and so, Savon, in terms of what you heard about the show, and just and just 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 how it became so viral, what what were some of the things that 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 people were kind of saying about it, and just what your original expectations of it, even though you have not seen it? <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, that's why I started laughing when you completely went to David. I was that's why I started laughing. I was like, <laughs> anyway, I heard, <laughs> I heard it was good. <laughs> but no, what I've seen from TikTok, um, since TikTok is very credible, it looks good. It looks like, you know, something it's I different. would want looks to very watch. Different. Yeah. yeah, it was something I would want to watch because it's different. And just to give a background, I heard he was trying to um trying to get this into the opening for like years, like for 10 years. They yeah, had re- years in the making. Kept, yeah, they kept telling him to do different things, but he was like, no, I'm not I'm gonna do this. So with that, I'm just going to skip ahead. I give it uh, four out of four stars because he didn't waver. He kept going, and he finally got something. Four out of four. Yeah. Well, four. But 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 getting to our first topic, from one to four stars, what would you give it? To, to you, David, kind of like, what would we doing this the entire show? <laughs> <laughs> I give you, it three out of four. <laughs> Yeah, ending like what the ending to you would, would that be kind of the thing that would just hold it back from yes. that? Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I did not like how it ended, especially like with the death of like one of the person that I thought was like gonna be like the main character, like part of the main character, like you know, like uh, can say uh, can Yeah, I thought yeah. she was like I thought she was gonna live. Like I thought, you know, yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is this is sad. <laughs> I really wanted to live on the most. Like, yeah, that's most. yes. 
Um, and, 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 and I would probably give it the, the, like the same the, the same rating. You know, this was just, just a masterful show. It really showed depth with its storytelling and just a wonderfully uh, crafted, sus- suspenseful show. Mm-hmm. And, and how it ended, like that is that is one of the things. Like 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 how a show ends. Savon, we've talked about it many times in the past with, with the show. Like how, like how it ends is very important. Like to you, with, with just any show. Like like how important to you like, like is a show's ending and just what it does before like its second season. You know, I think. It's hard to continue the success from each episode until right. to the next season. So you have to have a cliffhanger because, like you said, it was one of the characters that you thought that should have died. Now mm-hmm. it's going to make you hate it, but actually want to yeah. see what's going to happen in the season two. So people, it keeps are, people are still going to tune in. Yeah, yeah. it keeps you engaged because you don't want to have a happy ending. Like, oh, that was cool. But I don't think season two is going to be good because what can you do after that? Then, boom. Before I'm gonna kill somebody. Somebody gonna die. Somebody's gonna be killed, and I'm going. It's gonna be one of your favorite characters. Then it's gonna make you watch season two, and I think that's really mm-hmm. dope. But I didn't. I didn't. I don't know who the <laughs> character is. Uh, <laughs> what's her name? Or he, it was a King. A King Side uh, 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 Bjork. Ooh, try to say that four times. Uh, fast. <laughs> that was, it was hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying it once, and I'm gonna say her name again because that was my favorite character. <laughs> and, and and she, she to, to me, like she was the character who had just the motivation to survive for her brother, and yes. so much strength and an, and an un, unwavering uh, will to you, like David. Kind of like who's your overall favorite character? Okay, it was like the least expected person, but like I think it was uh the Jean Young, the girl that she meets that she was supposed yeah. to play the game with. Yeah. The reason why it was like was this. I didn't like up until that episode. My favorite character was uh, the main character, of course, because I just like you know it's funny to see like because like he was taking care of people, but like still had a messed up family. <laughs> so like <laughs> I went to like I was like up until that episode, I was like, wow, this uh, I don't really have that you know much of a favorite character. But, like when I saw that episode, mm-hmm. I was like, you know, really went into the backstory of how she you know, her dad killed her mom and uh she then took a uh, revenge for her mom by killing her dad <laughs> and i was there and didn't have anyone to fight for and then uh sacrificed her own life so uh can keep playing that really touched me like i was like barely can you find people who are even your closest friends barely can you find people like who are willing to do that just you know just for you, like, you know, like every little thing. But like, for mm-hmm. her to, like, sacrifice her own life to, like, you know, her other person, who I wouldn't even say they were friends. They just, like, from this, like, you know, a little bond over a game. And then, yeah, she just, like, saw how much, like, you know, Kunisavia wanted to go back to save her family. She had something to fight for. That just makes her my favorite character. Yeah. Definitely. And, and, and that's a, this show had such a wide-ranging list of yeah. favorite <laughs> characters. And I think that's another thing. Like that's the metric of, of a really good show when you have like just so many to pick from it and you don't really know like 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 which one sometimes like uh, to, to you Savon when a show has just a wide ranging list of, of just really intriguing characters is that is that one of the most important things that a show kind of needs to have to to, to to really just live on because we see shows like Stranger Things Breaking Bad like like shows that just really have captivating characters and they really make you think about like like what do you pinpoint in it. Yes, you have to have multiple great characters. Not multiple great characters, but good characters you can build off of. And character development in movies and series, whatever the case may be, is pivotal because mm-hmm. it keeps the, the, the viewer watching or listening or whatever the, may, the case may be because you started getting in tune with these characters. I'm glad you said Stranger Things. 
all these characters, even Eleven, her character, she's the yeah. main mm. the main character, and eventually you gradually start availing, you know, seeing who she is and who she wants to be and learning the everyday life because, you know, she was, you know, created or whatever you want to call it. And then she's learned how to be a teenager, but that's not even what we're talking about. But character development is really good. And it's pivotal to any any movie, any series. And what I've heard from you guys that they do a great job with creating and, and having good character development. So that's mm-hmm. really good. And now in season two, you look for how can... How can you expand on that? Yeah, exactly. Because you can hit or miss with that too. A lot of a lot of series do that. Like um, The Ranch. I don't know if you guys ever watched The Ranch. Never seen it. it no. Wow, on Netflix with no. um, uh, Ashton Kutcher. Never seen it. Never seen it. Wow. <laughs> I apologize. Let me, let me go back in the background. I'm just gonna go retract back into the background to the darkness. Because Zayvon was like, oh, "Yeah, you guys know this, right? You guys know this, of course." <laughs> darkness is my ally, so I'm just gonna go back to the darkness. You guys, go ahead with the squid games. <laughs> um, but, but 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 now getting into just most memorable scenes for this one: the red light, green light, uh, light scene, uh, the, the tempered glass high, tightrope game, uh, the reveal of the front man. Uh, saying who's the seat against Ali, and then finally Jihan coming home after the game, which, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, this was a bittersweet victory, you know, as he walked away with all of that money, but just wondered mm-hmm. at what cost. Um, t- to you, David, like, what was kind of, like, one of the most, or, or maybe a couple memorable scenes from the show? The scene where the old dude, the oldest person in the game, the first, what was it, the first, he was the first person in, uh, in the game, was the yeah. person who actually hosted the entire thing. The yeah, old man who was going to die. That the biggest me, plot to yes, the, the biggest plot was that had me going around the room, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like I was like, what? Like, yeah. whoa! Like, because wow. he had he had so much joy in the game, like he never seemed stressed, yes. and I was always wondering, like, like, like what, what is like, like actually going yeah. on? Yeah, I was like, that makes a lot more sense now, and that yeah. was that, that made sense why they didn't show well uh, him dead. What actually was, happened to him? Yeah, because I was like, they, they didn't show, like, you know, when they were killing people, they didn't show him getting shot. And I was like, just like, that was the one person they didn't show. Yes, one person. I was just like, why did they show him that? Yeah. You know, yeah. But that was definitely my favorite uh, part of the entire show. Definitely. Um, And, and I mean, like, saying who was the seat against Ali, like, that was, that really kind of showed, like, who the type of person saying who was. Like, he was, yes. gonna, he was gonna win at all costs. Like, he, he was yeah. the, he was kind of like my least favorite character just because I always, I also felt as though he was the one who just, he was bypassing a lot of standards, but at the same time, yeah. there really were no standards in Squid Game. It was just win at all costs. And, and he kind of like exemplified that the most. Um, and, and memorable scenes in, in, in any show are just kind of like, 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 like that's another thing that just sticks with you throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to you, Savon, like in terms of, of, of particular <clears throat> scenes that just always, that always able to resonate, um, for a director, when he's putting a show together, like do you think it's one of those things where he's thinking that, I have to have scenes that can stick with people or just it kind of just flows throughout when he's creating a show. I think I don't think when you're directing, you worry about <clears throat> what character is going to be more, um, I guess, relatable or, you know, like, you get the viewer get attached. To. I don't think you think about it. I think you think of the, the I guess, the foundation and the nucleus of what you're trying to portray. And I think for him, I think that's why he never wavered or tried to change things because he already knew what he wanted to do. I think the storyline is the most important thing. Then the character development, then the characters are the second thing. 
because you can find anybody to play the kid, bring the character out. But I think the storyline has to make sense. It has to be, mm-hmm. you know, ah, I want to watch this more. Oh, after episode one, if I'm not, I say after episode two, if you're not hooked to the show, then you're, you're not, not going like to want to watch yeah. it. You're not going to want to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. So the storyline has to make sense. It has to grab me. Yeah, the characters are good, but what about the storyline? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and now getting into most memorable quotes, um, I had, I'm good at everything except the things I, I can't do. I don't have a home to go back to, and here I stand a chance at least. Uh, good rain knows the best uh, time to fall. You have a reason to leave this place, but I don't. Um, also, you don't trust people here because you can. You do it because you don't have anybody else. And then finally, uh, we've already come too far to end this now. Um, to, to you, David, like what were maybe just one or two memorable quotes from this one that, that kind of had you thinking the most? I had one. Uh, the one like I don't have a home to go back to. Uh, yeah, in here. I, in here I stand a chance, but out there, I you know I got nothing out there. That one yeah, hit the most. Was, yeah, that one really, really hit the most because like out here, out here in the world, like you know anything, anything can happen. Like especially when you're like living alone, you like mm-hmm. kind of you make your own rules, you know. So you really do not have any rules to live by because <laughs> they're yeah. all made by you, and you can wonder like I don't want to, you know, I want to bend this rule a little bit, I want to bend that rule a little bit. Yeah, well, in there, they're, like kind of like rules, like everyone had like equal grounds to play by. It was, yeah. uh, and in the long run, everyone, you know, cut their way through and, like, you know, try to, especially, like, the uh, the boss doing the black mask. Yes. Uh, he, yeah, he emphasized that a lot of times, how everyone was on equal grounds. And so, like, yeah, he was, like, um, the uh, scene where he killed someone um, for, uh, remember they selling the bodies or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And one of the later, that's one of the later episodes. yeah. Like, uh, and then the bodies were hanged in front of other players, like, you know, so you can emphasize that all of them. To show an example. Uh, should be, yeah, exactly. Should mm-hmm. be, like, you know, equal and stuff. Like, in there, they stand a chance. Like, out there, you got no one to, like, you know, defend you or anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 I mean, quotes to me, they are the thing that, that kind of resonate the most, uh, or one of the things that resonates the most in shows, because it, it really j- just kind of, like, reveals the, re- reveals the, j- just the strategy and what the show is trying to accomplish um, mm-hmm. to, to you say, to you say, Von, like we always do memorable quotes for for any show and any movie that we do. Like, like how important are quotes to just to just kind of like analyze how good a show is? The monologue, and I right. think mm-hmm. the the monologue is is another one that really has to be good. It can't be stale. It can't be overbearing. Can't try too hard. Flow. You can't make, especially if it's like like a a comedy or something. You can't not try to make it funny. It just has to flow. Just have to have great writers. But the monologue is big. It's, it's a le- everlasting impression that the viewer has or whatever it is, whether it's a movie, a show, a short film, whatever the case may be. But the monologue, I think, is hmm, storyline characters the monologue. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but that's, that's how I feel. Is it the three great ingredients for any movie or show yeah. or anything like that? Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and now getting into kind of like what did you like the most about the storyline um, to me, just the originality of the idea and how, and, and just it's showing these characters um, being sympathetically flawed and and when they have to make life altering decisions. Because like y- you can think about it being being a game like this and just what you would do, but when you're actually in it, that's mm-hmm. it's just a whole different ball game and just the the, the types of tough decisions you're going to have to make. Um, to you, David, like what did you kind of like the most about this particular storyline? How well it questions like everyone's true character and like you know what you would actually do when you're like in face with like uh real events like you know put yeah. the game aside like you know if this was to happen like in a real life where it was your life or someone else's life you know just for money 
You know, right. what, what is what are people like willing to do? Especially like like the scene about how know, ruthless, the how ruthless, how ruthless yes. people can be. <laughs> how people would sacrifice someone else just so they can move forward. You yeah. know? Stuff like that. I was yeah, that that was what really got me in the in the entire show. Definitely. And and storyline is it's it's one of the it's one of the top things in, in any show. Um and, and Saylon, you were just mentioning how important storyline is. Can you j- just like how important of a foundation, like, like, do you feel as though like that really is the kind of the starting point and, and the bottom, uh, the bottom part of just where a director has to look to before he even goes on to anything else? Right. That's the first thing you create. You create what you're trying to convey, what you're trying to say, or what are you trying to have people's view? That's the first, before you even create characters, you want to, if you want to talk about how the hot dog got up and walked away, it has to be a good (laughs) storyline for the hot dog to walk away. And for this one, I mean, the storyline is good enough. I'm just, I was just reading a couple of the West Coast. I think the storyline is really dope. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to see a bunch of people playing a game to the death? That's like just like Gladiator or any other, any other yeah. thing like that. So it's fun. And then it's like old school games that we play when we're younger. So then now, okay, now I have an international uh, viewership in the U.S., whatever the case would be, because who hasn't played a Ray Light Green Light? Or as Simon says, or something like that. Everybody. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's, it's relatable. That's a great storyline. I can relate to it, so. Definitely. And, and now getting and getting to our last topic, Terrence, from now, like, do you still think this will be watchable and intriguing? Um, I definitely, like, feel, it, feel it, it will, because this is just one of the most immersive television worlds we've seen in a while. And there's just, you know, relentless entertainment value as, it, as it's remarkably fleshed out. We obviously, you know, didn't feel great about the ending and just like what, what it could have closed out. But to you, David, like another decade from now, because me and Savon, we do this with, with just every review, just like yeah. how, how will it be? How can it live on a decade from now? Like, like, do you feel as though this is a show a decade from now can, can still live on and just be watchable? I feel like it will be watchable. Like, I, I don't think it will be as intriguing. Well, that will be like, depending on how. Like, it's it's not going to be what's relevant yeah. at that moment. Yeah, I think like how intriguing it will be depending on like the other seasons. Like, you know, like something like uh like the Flash. It was it was really, really intriguing until like, you know, later seasons, like season five, you know, it just got too stretched. Yeah, so like yeah, uh this will be probably yeah, watchable by a lot of people, but like it wouldn't be as intriguing anymore. It, it wouldn't be like that show that you watch like, oh, I just wanna watch it because people are talking about it. Definitely. And, and, and I mean, that's what it comes down to, the watchability and, and, and an intriguing element of any show. Like, that's what de- determines, if, determines if it can just be considered um, something that was a great body of work. Like, to you, Savon, like, what kind of just determines if a show can, or, or, or any type of, of product uh, uh, like, like, uh, of a Netflix show can just really live on and just be considered something that was substantial? How popular it can be. Um, yeah. It's word of mouth. A lot of people didn't know what Squid. I think Squid Games was on Netflix for a while until people was like gave it a shot, and then now people are on social media. They're you know moving like, hey, y'all should watch Squid Games. And I think that's a more that's a, a a vital part too is spreading it, allowing it to be as good so people can word of mouth and spread it. But other than that, like, I mean, you have to have a great storyline. It has to be relatable. <clears throat> to like right now, I'm watching uh, Colin Kaepernick's uh, Black and White. Mm. And the first episode is relatable to me. So I'm going to continue mm-hmm. to keep watching it because now yeah. I know where he's coming from with the, you know, sports and being, uh, you know, racially profiled, all that good stuff. So now I'm intrigued and he has some great points. So I'm going to continue to watch it. So it's relatability as a storyline. It's how the characters make me feel. It's a lot of stuff that goes into why you watch a show. 
And it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just good. So I want to pose this question, fellas. Okay. Because I know Wellington is a big Parasite fan. Yes. I wasn't really a Parasite <laughs> fan. Do you think this will win an award like Parasite did? Mm. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's what I was going to be quiet. I'll let y'all mm. my, my thing is, like, I, 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 the reason I would probably say no at the moment, just because I think there are more shows right now that, that are just... They're like like insecure. Insecure, it's coming back for season five. You have succession. You have other shows yeah. that are just still like they're continuing on their series. This one is just mm-hmm. it's just starting at, at the baseline. And I feel as though there are other shows that people are, are already like had like an attachment to and they can just build on to that. Yeah. With this one, it's like people are just like on the fence, like, should I get into it? Should I not get into it? That's why at this moment I would say no. That's why I like I say with like, you know, a lot of the show's continuability would be depend on like the next seasons. Yeah. Definitely. Well, um, David, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on for, for the first time. Oh, yeah, this, this, for this, sure. this was so much fun, and, and we got to do it again, man. Uh, thank you so much for being on. What's the problem? It's, my, it's a great pleasure for you to have me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm your host, Winsor Burns, along with my counterpart, Savon Morris. This has been Full Scope. See you later. <laughs>